Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with Laura Gushu. Hi, Laura. Thanks for being Hi, here. Thanks. So Laura, I think it was Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Laura randomly, I don't know what prompted it, but she randomly like messaged. What did you do? I forget. You randomly there, me. Yeah. You wrote a post about um, something just like super honest. I mean, all of your posts are honest, but you wrote something that I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to know too. And I'm 30 steps behind where you are. And I just sent a fangirl message of like, <laughs> I love the honesty. I love how cool this like conversation opening is. And um, my new design goal is to be on your podcast. And you said, here, let's do next week. (laughs) (laughs) And it was funny because it's like, I feel like it was a prime example of like, okay, imagine if we just asked for things. Yeah. Like how much more things we could actually be accomplishing. (laughs) You know? So anyways, um, yeah. So I do these every now and then with like, I call them homie chats. So it's just basically like if somebody wants to kind of pick my brain a little bit. Um, it's more of a just casual conversation. I feel like I should say to you and to the listeners that I am by no means any sort of business coach. So take any of the advice I give with a grain of salt and at own risk. But, um, but I'm obviously going to just tell you like what my thoughts and feelings are and maybe what's worked for me. And, and the reality is like, sometimes I just don't have like, I don't really totally, I'm not able to totally quantify or identify why certain things happened or didn't happen, but they just kind of did in some cases, which is annoying, but just kind of the reality. Mm-hmm. But okay, Laura, why don't you just tell everybody a bit about your backstory that you shared with me? Yeah, um, I went to school for interior design. I graduated college um, in 2012, 2011 now, I guess. Um, and I went to New York after school. Actually, I was, um, I I live in Philadelphia now. So I moved to New York and I um, was working for Fendi. Um, it's like a luxury clothing brand and I was doing Mm -hmm. store planning and design with them. Um, it was like new build of all of their new stores. We were working on one in Guadalajara at the time. And, um, any like renovations and upkeep of their current stores. So that was 33 in North America and six in South America when I was there. So we were doing um, a ton of really cool design work. It was um, less design decisions, but it was like implementation of design. um, I guess like like a trade kind of thing had already been established, but it was just implementing that in different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved the job. It was great, but New York is a different animal and New York just wasn't for me. So I moved back home after a year there um, to Philadelphia and I worked with different designers and architects um, and it just was not the right time to find a job when I was trying and I kind of got sick of doing the internship thing. So right now I still work in, um, I'm a paralegal at a law firm. It's just a job. Can um, I have to ask, like, can anybody be a paralegal? Like, how did you... I went to, I did a certification course oh, when okay. I was interning too. Um, I was hoping to kind of do that as well as like the internships, but it's just not realistic. And 
Um, it kind of just ended up being that I followed that to pay my loans. And um, now five years later, I'm there for five years and it's a fine job, but it's not what I want. Um, so I'm getting back into trying to kind of do design stuff on my own. Um, I've been doing e-design stuff because um, it seems like the most, the most like reactionary. It's like I can get to it fastest. Um, I don't want to do e-design long term. Um, I think that it's, I'm learning so much from it and that's why I love what I'm kind of set myself up in right now. Um, but it's, it's like, I get to the point where like, I want the most control and then it's just over. Yeah. That's not, that's not the, the way I see it all kind of shaking out long-term. Um, so for now I've been loving it cause I'm learning so much about like how clients are reacting to different conversations and different ideas and kind of like gauging, um, all of that and, learning how to manipulate budgets and all of that kind of stuff. But it's definitely from here. I want to be doing more local stuff and that's where it's, I'm blind. I don't know yeah. how to get from here to where that end goal is. And like in your perfect world, like, and you don't put any limitations on yourself. Like what would your ideal situation be? Like what types of clients and projects would you be working on? Um, I think uh, residential, um, I definitely am, I mean, I am spending like no money on the e-design clients now. So like I want to have higher budgets, but I definitely am not, um, shooting for like luxuries, like level stuff. Um, I want that like kind of obtainable person that that's like more my people anyway. Um, and I want to do it to completion. So I want to do all of the logistical oh, stuff. Yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to do the installs and, um, I know that like just for myself, like I'm creative through and through and I love the design stuff, but like I get to a different like part of me when it's like planning and doing and going and setting up, like that's definitely part of design that always um, kind of enticed me to it. So mm-hmm. ultimately that's where I want to be. Um, I would love to kind of like where I live, there's a cute little downtown. Um, I would love to like eventually have some kind of like home store kind of thing Um, I'm definitely leaning more towards that than like corporate stuff but yeah I think that like ultimately where I'm going now is like away from e-design towards full service like see be in a finished space kind of thing yeah it's funny because I was the same way I I thought I wanted to do Mm e-design I don't know I just I thought it was I I thought I like I, I oh I can just sit in front of my laptop do my work. I don't have to mm-hmm. like get get in a car and go anywhere, which if I'm being honest, I do wish I had that. That's the yeah. thing that was like, I didn't realize you didn't how have to much. Travel. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm <laughs> in my car all the time. Yeah. And then when I'm not in my car, I, it, it, I'm not, I'm not a big like customer service type person, even though I know like, I feel like people are like, Oh no, you're a people person, but I'm really not. I'm like, I don't, I don't get lit up by going to like, yeah, meet with clients, but I can turn it on. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but anyway, so, um, it's just interesting because I, I thought I was going to do that and it was weird. Okay. So I wanted to understand what I was going to say is it's weird that I thought that that would be an easier, um, yeah, I and then someone told me early on when I 
I, I don't think I'd had a client yet. They, they told me like, well, do you want to be making money like immediately? Yeah. Yes. That was your podcast that made me reach out to you. Yeah. Okay. Like, and that, that, and that's, um, cause it people. seems very true. Yeah. It's like, um, e-design seems very like obtainable cause it yes. is the most actionable. And I do like, I still believe that like as soon as I was starting out, it was like, what can I do right now to start working with someone? Yeah. And like e-design was that. Okay, um, but, so can I ask how you, so you just joined Etsy. How did that mm-hmm. work? And how quickly did you get a client? How many clients do you have at any given time? Like, what is that yeah. looking like right now? Um, I started this past summer. And when I started, my um, service was $1. And I can, you can limit it so you can only have like, once somebody buys that thing, then it's gone. So when I started, um, I had that up there. And um, I got this, like the sweetest girl. I don't know like how I even, how she even found me probably cause it was a dollar, but um, it was a kitchen that she just, she didn't want it to move anything. She just needed like new finishes and everything. Um, so I worked on that with her and I spent like hours doing it, but like I wanted to be going at it full force. I didn't want, like she wanted flooring and cabinetry and I was like, okay, but this is everything. Like, that's just, I'll pull everything you can pick from it, what you want kind of thing. Um, so I did it as if it was like a bigger project for her, um, that way. And then from there, I just started like increasing, like learning from that project. So like in that one, I had a a questionnaire that was like not nearly enough information. So I kind of like backed up from the end of that project and was like, okay, I need to know more about this. I need to know like how they're using the space, why they're looking to change it, all of that kind of stuff. So each one I kind of like tweaked a little bit. Um, now I have probably three projects going at a time. I've done like 20 since, um, August and I have like three going at a time. Um, I am now to like $75 a room, which from a dollar is, it seems like I'm kind of like doing it more realistically. Um, I am learning a lot about how like a client's investment is, like does so much like it's to me when I'm working the same amount whether I was working with a five dollar client or now like a 75 dollar client but their level of trust in me at higher price point is better it's like they want to they want to not question you because they have more of an investment in you and I wasn't expecting that at all and I'm telling you now, like, that's so legit. It's yeah. for real. It's okay, I, I'm going to ask you, but you're saying $75 a room. Mm-hmm. What, when you, is that in your mind, you're like, <laughs> okay, I fully understand that this is like, I'm putting in way more hours than, because yeah. $75 per room, if you were putting in an hour, that'd be reasonable. Like, I yeah. mean, I, my first rate was $50 an hour. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, I, I under grossly underestimated my hours and I did flat fees. So it was never really $50 an hour. It's probably more mm-hmm. like $20 an hour. But um, yeah. like, can you tell me what, um, with that price point, is your thought, like, I'm really not about this to make money right now. My, my goal is to get clients to learn from. Yes. And right okay. now I'm... Some of the listeners right now who are maybe falling off their chairs going like, holy crap. Yeah, no, I'm not what? like making a living doing this. Yeah. Um, each project probably takes me like six to seven hours a piece to do. Yeah. Um, and right now I'm just at the point where like each one that I'm doing, I'm feeling more confident in like my process, how streamlined yeah. I can get it. And I'm just, I'm increasing my price every sale that I make. Every time I have one, I, in, I the next yeah. listing I post, I put it higher. Um, oh. So that is kind of like, my trajectory at the moment, but I don't want to stay on the e-design yeah. 
path. I just want to use it as like my, I can get so many kinks out. I'm learning so much and I don't, I'm not in their homes learning it. Like there's very little investment from their point of view. Um, So um, I think that's great because I did a very similar thing. Like I started at 50 with my first client. It wasn't e-design, but regardless, I started 15 hour with my first client and then I'd get a new client and then I would up at 10. I'd give myself like $10 raises like every yeah. client. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like slowly yeah, I was going up. Yeah. So that's really good. And I think you're learning so much. So now the, now the question is like, what do you do to transition out of e-design? So, yeah. okay, I'm going to tell you what I did to transition not out of e-design because I never really did it, but out of the mindset that I would be trying to do e-design. Mm-hmm. So the biggest the biggest thing is that you just got to get yourself visible in front of local people. And the way I did it, and it was an extremely, extremely effective strategy. Um, In my first year, I think I had like 75 clients uh, that came through at varying, like I did free consultations to start. It might be something you want to do. There's Mm -hmm. probably a lot of listeners that are going to say, don't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you got to do what feels right for you is kind of my philosophy. I think it's a balance of the key is doing what feels right to you, but also pushing yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone is like Mm -hmm. really important. Not just saying, well, like, you know what? It feels comfortable to do free because I'm telling you right now, those clients are not going to be as willing to. It is going to be a royal waste of your time as well. So so you do have to push yourself a little bit to a point of discomfort. Even if you're not going like here, you want to take it like, okay, this makes me feel slightly uncomfortable, but not as uncomfortable as $200 for a consultation, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. So what did your free consultation look like? Like what so were you for doing? for me, and, and I think this is how I rationalized it being free. I didn't make it a consultation where I was giving you full on ideas. It was mm-hmm. mostly just like, I'm going to your house. We're going to talk about some ideas, but it's not going to be like, I need to give you yes. hardcore value because it's free. I'm really trying to identify the scope of exactly what you need. So I can come back to you with a proposal, mm-hmm. which by the way, was so wildly below. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I estimated so low so many times at the beginning. So I do think it's so important to just get started and start making those mistakes as quickly as possible so that you can start Mm -hmm. figuring out what makes sense. But so the way that I first got clients locally and the problem with the strategy that I have is I don't know that it can work everywhere. But in Toronto, are you on Facebook? Mm -hmm. Okay. How old are you? Do you mind if I ask you that? I'm 29. Okay. Cause I just feel like younger people don't love Facebook that much, but okay. So you are on Facebook. So, um, in, in Toronto, there's like these groups that are based on like, I'm sure Philadelphia is a fairly large city. Um, mm-hmm. so there's probably like, okay. Like neighborhoods. Yes, exactly. So in Toronto, mm-hmm. there was like, I live in East Toronto, which is near Toronto, the beaches. And I live on the Danforth. I live near Leaside. So there's these pockets of neighborhoods that I lived close enough to that I would find Facebook community groups. And they were mm-hmm. like 20, some had 5,000. I, I made a list of all of them. And the, you kind of have to live near them because they're going to validate that you do live right. nearby. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could always try. Well, that's fine. I do live here. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you kind of want to get in as many as you can. And then, um, and then what I did was I made a spreadsheet and then I, I listed how many people were in each group because the higher the number of people that were in the group, the more I wanted to like focus on that. And then what I did was I read the rules. So we're talking like three years ago now. So 
it's possible people tighten up their rules. But then um, I would look at the rules and the rules would, of the group would say something like, business owners can promote once a week. So I would make myself a schedule in my calendar that would say like every Friday I have to go post in this group. And it's mm-hmm. like a hard sale. It would just be things like I might promote my a blog post in a subtle way. Um, and then maybe say like, you know what? I offer free, I offer consultations. I can't remember what my language was. Mm-hmm. I offer consultations. Um, and I'm telling you, it's crazy, but without fail. The first time I did that, I did it in a group. Um, I want to say it was the beaches group. And within an hour I had a paint consultation booked and I had no idea. I didn't plan and I'd never done a paint consultation. I charged one mm-hmm. day. I had no idea. I was terrified. Yeah. I, I have not done a paint consultation since then. I think I've done two because I don't like paint consultations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just for me. But anyways, but without fail, I would always get some private message or um, I think what I would do is I would link them to my, my Facebook page. And then I had, you know, there was a way for them to contact me and probably... Fairly quickly, when I had my website, I had added a method to schedule a call with me, like, because I was fairly, like, having come from the marketing world, I was fairly savvy at building that. So, pretty quickly. So, what would happen is I would post in the group, and fairly quickly, I would, I would say nine times out of 10, get a lead from that. Yeah. Which is like extremely, extremely uh, successful. And then, but, how, do you, how did you turn that into, I mean, even if you're not charging a lot, how, did, how do you go from A to B then? So then, um, then I would get on a call. Um, okay. And I want to just say one thing before I forget, I will say that there are lower paying clients. Like I don't, I don't use that strategy anymore, but that being said, that lower paying client is still a significant jump from where you're at now. So it's Mm going to be a constant like growth, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so then I would get on a call with them and I would create a series of questions, which I just, are, are you familiar with Kimberly Selden? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, I joined her uh, group and I learned like questions to ask mm-hmm. um, on a discovery call. Um, I've listened to lots of like sales type stuff. Like what is the right questions to ask for service-based businesses? So I would go through those questions and then I, would, you know, rarely we would talk about price because I would just say like, it depends on the, I, I was, there was a little bit of fake until you make it. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to their scope and I would say, you know, it's really important that I kind of understand the scope in person so we can do a consultation. Consultations are free. I only did them for an hour at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would come in, we can talk like about a few ideas, but really get a, an idea on the scope. And then I'm going to give you a proposal. So then what I, so I would do that. And um, I actually think um, I'm trying to remember, like my conversion rate wasn't, terrible so you know not every single one of those people who I gave a proposal to would then become a client like some people even at my really crappy low rate which was like laughable still felt that was too expensive yeah like and I mean I remember some of the emails I got the response I mean I don't get responses like that now where I'm charging So it's just an interesting mindset of the yeah. type of client, right? Yeah. But then they, and then they just become a client. And then I just, like, innately, I did know, like, you should be following, like, some sort of process. And then I would do, like, the kickoff. I'd come right. in. And, and I didn't totally know. And, you know, my very first real client, her budget she gave me was $20,000. And I was like, oh, my God. Holy mm-hmm. crap. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then now, in hindsight, 
you know, that was not nearly enough, but, um, and she was great. I was just lucky in that I grossly undercharged and she was like, I owe you more money. And just like gave me a check of extra money because she knew that I had worked way more than the hour. She was like older, Mm -hmm. but, but basically it was just like, so for me, that was my strategy to get in front of people. Like for you, you might want to go to like, you kind of have to push yourself to, to figure out ways where you can go after the type of client that you want. Like for me, that made a lot of sense. If you have that option, I think that would work really well for you mm-hmm. to get in front of like, okay, we're going to take the next step up. Cause instead of going like, okay, we're going to go from like e-design $75 a room to like $10,000 service. Oh, yeah. It's going to make you feel terrified and freaked yeah. out. So the next logical step is like, how do I get in front of the people who want to spend their, like, think about where do you want people to be spending their money? Are they shopping at West Elm? Are they at CB2? Right. And you know, that type of person, as opposed to like Ikea pricing, right? Like right. Or Walmart or whatever people are, or, or for you guys, it's home goods. Um, you know, do you, you want to have a bit of flexibility as far as, um, you know, at least you're, they're getting in the, the style that you want to, which is probably mm-hmm. important to you, mm-hmm. but you just kind of have to brainstorm like where, where can you meet? You maybe That's contact cool. local realtor. Maybe you could do like a workshop uh, for their clients, a free workshop, like come up with something that you feel really confident talking about and mm-hmm. do a workshop. I did that uh, twice with a realtor. She had reached out to me, but that would be a pretty good place to to start. Like if you're interested in staging, that's another thing. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. something that interested me per se, but you know, what types of things are you interested in doing? And then like where and who can I physically get in front of people Yeah, without spending money? Because you know, yeah. it's so hard to do that at this so point. So then were you charging for the initial um, proposal then? Like after yeah. you, so then when were you start, when was your so what would happen is I would go for my free consultation and I would write down the scope and then I'd say, you know, in three days, I'm going to give you a proposal. Um, and I would basically, I had a spreadsheet and I, I just estimated all the things I thought that would need to happen. And I just grossly underestimated because yeah. I, a, I had no idea, but you're doing well because you've already done a lot of e-design. So you probably have a good concept of how much time it takes you to source furniture for a room, which is amazing, how much time it takes you to put together a presentation. And then the next thing you want to roll in is, okay, do I have to do the measurements? Yeah, you're going to do your own measurements. So I probably need an hour or two on site to do that. So you want to consider that. Then you're going to say, okay, well, I'm probably going to present the, you know, because you're doing full service, I'm going to present to them in person. So that's probably an hour to two hours. Um, You know, and any, whatever else might be different Mm -hmm. to the process than e-design. Um, and that's kind of like your phase one cost this phase two would be purchasing and just think about how long do you, how long would it take to purchase for your client? So for me, for example, I'm purchasing right now about, um, it's, I think it's like $45,000 worth of furniture. It's probably going to take me to two to three hours to, to mm-hmm. take purchasing all that. And it's because the more you're ordering, the more detail, like you have to be right. so careful of the details. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then if you're managing, you know, taking care of the painters who need to paint the room or doing minor construction. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking to you more about like decorating because that's what I do. No, no, that makes that's, perfect sense. Okay, yeah. That's like for you, if you're doing more like kitchen design, that's going to look different. And no, no, but, and then phase three for me is like installation where all the furniture, 
I will say you should look at a receiver. If you're doing a whole home ever, do not just have that furniture coming in mm-hmm. really nilly because you're going to, it's just terrible. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so then I put together this proposal and I would say, this is what I think your furniture cost should be. Like I would give them, I would tell them what I think their budget should be after having asked questions like, what is a reasonable price for you to, that you would spend on a sofa? Like, right. What would you spend on a throw pillow? How much would you spend on drapes? And then, you know, for Did me... Did they that, give you a good idea, like a good sense from It that? would help me understand, like, are you like a, you know, low, medium, high? Would, right. And for me right now, I'm never in the high. I'm more in the in-between. Okay, what I've started doing is my low is no longer... Like, when I first started doing that, my low would be like Ikea low. Mm-hmm. Now, my low is still not low. Like if a client was like on a hardcore budget, my low is what I have deemed the right amount that allows me to order from trade-only sources so I can make additional revenue. Um, my low is enough that I'm, I'm, I give myself enough flexibility to find the right piece. Mm-hmm. If I put in Ikea prices, then I'm pretty much limited to Ikea, which means right. I don't have a lot of options. Right. Or Wayfair or whatever that looks like. And also, it's like where I feel like I'm bringing in something into your home that's not going to fall apart in a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, then, and then I would just send it through and then they would either give me the yay or nay. And then, and then we go from there. And then I just schedule in, you know, tell them roughly how long I think it would take. And mm-hmm. basically... Now, like early on, I used to try to deliver presentations quicker. Now it's like six to eight weeks as to presentation time. Mm -hmm. Because then it gives me the flexibility of, you know, I'm juggling some stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like how I did it. And my proposals were total crap when I started. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Like, how do you, how do you like know what, I guess they don't expect anything, but how do you set your own expectation of what that looks like for you before you're... So, yeah. I, one thing I would suggest is, are, your, are you in, like, are you in the my Facebook group? Yeah. Okay. Are you in what they don't teach you in design school Facebook group? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, or any other Facebook groups, go Join into the files category, like a section, and do a search for proposal. You're going to find a proposal. Oh, that's that a good idea. You can just steal. Yeah. Okay, guys, I didn't say that. But yeah, <laughs> like, there's nothing original anymore. We all got something similar. Yeah. And then you and then you massage it for it to make sense for right. you. It's not about stealing, but it's about, you know, we all kind of use tools and then we make them our own. Mm-hmm. But um but like for me, if I on my very first proposal, I made it in Word, it was hideous and it looked like crap and it it didn't have nearly enough co- like ass coverage in it. So I would, you know. I I didn't allow myself the ability to charge more if I went over the hours because I didn't account for that. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. That's another thing in the in the Facebook groups. Go under files and search for contracts because you'll be able to find lots of contracts. Like I'm pretty sure I've uploaded one in mine. And um, there, if you just people forget about that section in the Facebook groups and yeah, I didn't even realize. Yeah, was there. go check it out because you're going to find lots of gold in there that at least could be like a starting point. And then at the end of the day, you got to just tweak it to make it your own because mm-hmm. my process works for me, but everybody's process is different because it's like, we all think differently and work differently and we just got to yeah. make it work. Yeah. So, um, not to change the subject, but right okay. now you have like this, um, potential thing coming up next week. Um, my mom 
works for uh, this company that they're redoing their offices. And she's like on the internal like team for picking selections and stuff. So I am helping them with that. Um, I'm meeting them on Wednesday and I, I like know how to like pick the best carpet, whatever. How do you, um, how do you start when you're like working with like, they have no concept of like what their budget will be or what their needs are, what they're like, how do you broach telling them what they will need? Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting because I've only had, I've had two commercial, no, that's not, well, no, yeah. Two commercial projects that I actually put a proposal on and the reality on, I didn't get either of them, Mm -hmm. which was fine by me. Um, But I think that they just don't completely understand. And I didn't know what I was doing either, but I just, I think the best thing to do is the best advice I can give is, you need just be as real with the numbers as possible. Um, like if you can fight the urge, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, if you can fight the urge to 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 be afraid of the numbers, especially corporate, because I think people are less emotionally attached to mm-hmm. that. And I think in theory, it should be an easier easier sell through. Um, I know the first one I didn't get it because I think that it was somebody that knew me and probably assumed I would be a lot less because I was new at the time. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a lie. I've done three, um, three proposals. Two were people that I previously worked with at an old job, and both I didn't get. I'm almost certain because they just made some assumptions about what it would cost, and right. I would be dirt cheap because I was new. And then the third one, I think he just really had no idea it was going to cost how much it was. I thought mm-hmm. it would cost, but um, but I think it's like I don't have a concrete answer aside from just really identifying the scope. Um, understanding what their goals are. So, you know, there is that whole, like you can have something fast, you can have something quality, you can have something. There's a third one, quality, fast, a budget, like cheap, but you can't have all three. And I think on the corporate side of things, they're going to try to have all three, but they can't. Mm -hmm. So really trying to identify, okay, is it more important to do to get this quickly because that's corporates like that too they just want things fast but the last thing you want to do is kind of screw yourself on you Mm -hmm. know trying to deliver something too quickly um somebody posted once on an instagram story something like clients remember the quality of the job not how fast you did it and i think that's that was such great advice because Mm -hmm. it's so true like they're not at the end of the day, if you delivered something really quickly, but it's shit, they're going to, they're going to hate it. But if, if they're a little bit annoyed at how long it's taking, but then the end result they love, that's what they're going to remember. Um, but it's just really identifying every single thing that's needed. And you're, uh, I think it's really up to you, especially in a corporate world. I think they really do, which is what scares me about it a little bit because I don't feel like I have enough experience with it. But I think in a corporate world, they really need to understand how much it is going to cost. Like if I need new carpeting, so you got to get the measurements. And for me, for corporate or sorry, commercial, I pretty much like if I had a commercial project, reach out to me now and nobody like, I'm probably going to get backlash on this. I would probably do a free consultation on that. And I would just come in to grab the scope where Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily giving ideas, but I'm really just trying to identify what exactly they need. And then, Mm -hmm. or I might have like a fee for proposal, which I think sometimes they do, they do that. But, 
because I'd have to go in and measure. You'd have to go in and, and get an understanding of everything and then try to give them an, a, an estimate on a per item basis. Mm-hmm. Probably throw in a contingency in there too. Yeah. But, but I feel yeah. like that's like the, the weirdest part now that I'm like learning is like when how to like articulate someone's expectation of what like you do. And I think that that it's like extra hard when I'm starting because like, I don't really know, like I am trying to figure it out as I'm going, like I don't not know, but I'm still like, I, every project I do, I'm like trying to make it make sense a little bit more. Um, so that, that is like a hard kind of like thing to balance. Like I, I just finished up, um, an e-design thing yesterday that was um, for this girl who was like so nice. She did, we did two rooms at the same time. And she sent me like a, like a drawing. The space was like 15 by 11. And she sent me a drawing that she did by hand. And there was like four sofas, two bookcases, a console table. Like there was so much stuff in there. And I was like, okay, if I do this in plan, which I did, I just like put it into plan for her. And I put everything that she showed me in the drawing and like sofas were overlapping and all of it. But it was like, this is like, I want you to see that like, this is kind of like what it is. And like, maybe we prioritize your list, but how do you like, what's your approach to those kind of things? Like, how do you not say no, but also keep expectations? Like, okay. So this is, that is a really, that is a really good question. (laughs) Huge. So I've realized in the last year, my biggest realization has definitely been that your relationship with your client and the a project only goes well if you've managed expectations and you're completely honest about it. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to sugarcoat everything. Like, and, and I always go back to this, like, okay, let's, if we're thinking about expectations on price. Mm-hmm. So if I don't deal with price now, it's like, why leave something, no matter what, something's going to go wrong. Like, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be a delay. There's going to be something show up incorrect. I might make a mistake because human error is like a a thing. Mm -hmm. Fabric might show up wrong or delayed or something gets back to work. Like there's just, there's so many moving pieces in what we do that it's damn near impossible for nothing, for something to not go wrong. So, excuse me. Well, I just burped again and on another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, so the best thing you can do is put it, everything out there. So if we're thinking about pricing, and, and I, I have caught myself doing this, and I, tr- and I now I'm like, there's no point if I get a call from somebody who seems to be not, like not willing to spend the money. Yeah. After, after going a year and a half, if not longer, where I comp- grossly undercharge, which meant I had bills to pay. And um, I needed to be- pay those bills and put half the everything here. That yeah. meant I had to get more clients, which meant I was going out of control and I was so stressed out and it was just really bad. And then as, as the, that continues to happen, I do not deliver good client service. Right. So then I'm like stressed out because my deadlines aren't going well. Then I'm stressed out because clients are angry at me, or at least I'm assuming they are. So it's just a bad situation. So, but, and I find myself trying to say like, Oh yeah, I could do it for that. Well, no, now it's like, if this person seems budget conscious and price is a high driver for them, I need to have the conversation with them on the call at the end. There's no point in trying to pretend this is something it's not because it's a waste of my time, a waste of their time and time is money. Like I yeah. need 
to move on to the next person. So if, or for example, you know, something's going to go wrong. So I now have in my contract because every time something goes wrong, I go, well, I need to manage that expect. I'm not going to allow that to happen and piss a client off Mm -hmm. next time. Right. So for me, I have my contract already. Do you have a contract yet? Mm -mm. No. Okay. So we want to get, I think you should probably start working on a contract. Don't overthink it. Go in the Facebook groups, find something, just use it and tweak it for you. Just start like, don't focus on it being perfect, but just focus on like, get rid of the stuff that makes no sense for you. Clean up Mm -hmm. whatever you feel comfortable with, but at least have a starting point. Force yourself. And this was Kimberly Selden that told me specifically to do this. And I did not want to, but now all the like, ask covery stuff, which is basically like, here's what could go wrong and why it's not my fault. Right. Or here's what could go wrong and why I'm not going to be the one that pays for that. Or when you buy that custom order, you can't return it. Like I need to tell you that. Yeah. And I need to almost scare you Yeah. so that you know, and I've told you and I'm not hiding behind it because then when crap happens and I didn't say it, you're going to be like, well, shoot, now I have to pay yeah. this table. So I read my contract as much as I don't want to. I've done what Kimberly Selden has said to do. And for me, it's just, I know that I've said everything to you. I don't have to worry about like, and I don't have to assume you've read my contract because sure I have a contract, but I don't know how many times we all yeah. sign like, I wouldn't read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, which is crazy. I mean, but they don't realize, right. I mean, how hard can it be yeah. reading my house? They think, right. Yeah. But no, it's freaking hard what we do. So it's all about managing expectations and um, you just have to identify what those are. Custom orders can't be returned. Stuff's going to get back ordered. Mistakes are going to happen. Fabric's going to show up damn. Yeah. Like whatever it might be, just you have to say it up front in a way that's like, you know, not like terrifying and scaring them away, but saying this is why we're doing what we're doing and also why right. we have to be well compensated. Like if I, that is the biggest reason we need to be paid well is because so much shit goes wrong. And, and if we're not paid well and we can't make it right and give that client the best experience, then you're just going to go out of business and yeah. bankrupt yourself. Yeah. And then do you, do you do that same kind of process for um, expectations of like what design can give them? Like, I think sometimes people think that like, Oh, I'm going to spend $5,000 on a space and it's going to be like okay. straight out of a showroom. Good one. This is a very good one. Okay. So yes, I used to not, I used to be like, yeah, I can totally furnish that room on $5,000 and be great. No, now after doing this for three years, I've, I've realized that for me, high budget's important. For me to deliver my best work, there is a minimum design fee for me that is required. There is a minimum uh, furniture fee that's required in order for me to do what I feel is the best work that I can deliver. And that number is different for everybody. Some people excel at, at creating rooms on a budget, which is amazing. There's a niche mm-hmm. for that, but that does not that is not what this girl wants. Like I want, mm-hmm. so now I know. Um, and the, and the biggest time I find that this is key. Okay. So to go back to that, what I do is on the phone, I'm going to say, okay, I have like a spreadsheet that basically outlines like living room, high, medium, low. I just have a quick spreadsheet so I can say your living room generally, like the less you're going to, the least you'll spend if you needed everything would be around this. And then they mm-hmm. say, oh my God, that seems really high. Yeah. And I say, well, you know what? Um, 
it, it is high. Can you furnish it for less? Yeah. And this is not a conversation I have to have that often because mm-hmm. it's rare that I give numbers on an initial call, but let's say I did, which has happened before. Then I just say like, you know, I, if you want to do it for less than that, then I'm probably not the designer for you. My goal is to create a space that looks like the portfolio that I've shown you that is hopefully the reason you've called me that I put furniture in your home that I, I feel I can get behind and I stand behind it and I believe it's not going to fall apart in a year. Right. Um, I also allows me to be able to source from trade only, which gives you products that you wouldn't get retail, which is another benefit of working with a designer and, um, and things like that. Then, okay. So then if we like after the presentation or after the consultation, I've given them a proposal and they're a little iffy on the budget, then my suggestion is normally like, if there's more than one room, then let's take out a room. But I, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not just going to source like certain things. I'm doing a full mm-hmm. room because I can manage your expectations and the end result of that. Just like where I'm at now. And I'm not saying this is where people need to start, but mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't, I, yesterday I got a lead. I talked to a lady who said this, her scope was, you know what? I need some side tables in my living room. I need some stuff for my bedroom, but I already have like this and that. I need some story of something to store my blank. Like it was yeah. a lot of like, shop. yeah. Mm-hmm. And while like I fully would have taken that job back in the day and there's nothing wrong with that. We all mm-hmm. have to start somewhere. But I realized in my experience that when I work with clients where I'm already coming into their existing furniture, it stifles me creatively a yeah. lot. Yeah. And if I hate all the furniture you have, like, I don't know what you think like two end tables are going to do for you. Like it's right. hard for me to create a space that's going to wow you. And then the, the last place. Okay. So then if I give them a proposal and they don't like, you know, the pricing and they're scared of it, then it, at the end of the day, I say like, this is what I suggest. And I wouldn't go less than this. And if, if you're looking to do it for less than this, then I don't think I'm the right designer for you. But at mm-hmm. this point, if that happens, I should have identified that. Like the miss in that is I should have identified earlier that price yeah. that much to you because it was a complete waste of everyone's time. Yeah. And yeah. then another place that I, is really important for me is in phase three where I do have to explain to people because uh, I'm now in phase three, I'm buying like decor. So phases, mm-hmm. like this and that. And could it be done for less? Like I... I don't know. I, I think I, it could be way more than what I'm doing. Sure. But I, I'm normally going in at like a $4,000 budget for three rooms to 5,000, 6,000. And it is high, but number one, I don't like to limit myself. Sometimes I will end up being able to return things, but I tell people I, I'm only comfortable styling your house. If you will do it in the budget that I've deemed the appropriate budget to do it, because otherwise I know that you're not going to be happy. And then I'm going to walk away feeling like I let you down and you're going to walk away feeling like that was none of that was money well spent. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, that's how I say it. And the goal, and if you don't want to spend that, then maybe we're just doing one room and we're going to really do one room. But yeah, I, I have no shockingly face. So you give them like a separate like estimated yeah. budget for just decor? I do, but you know what? I used to I used to price by phase. Like I would say phase one is this and then I would sign the client. Then I'd give them a price for phase two and then a price for phase three. I'm not doing that anymore because now I have a good handle on like phase two and phase three. So now I'm just mm-hmm. going to price the whole thing. And then what I would do though is here's your furniture budget and I would do a separate accessory budget and I would do that all up front. 
because then they kind of know what they're all in for, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of important. Even though Do you have them like approved decor pieces too? No. Okay. No. So no, because it would be, I think, I, I don't know if some people do. I'm nitpicky. It would be impossible because mm-hmm. you're, I mean, I think the only way I would do that is if I was ordering trade only specifically for them, where it's like, you know what? I found this beautiful vase and I think it's like the perfect thing for you, but it's a trade only source. But that mm-hmm. being said, I think I'm leaning towards more just having my own inventory of stuff that I can pick mm-hmm. from. But no, I basically say, I itemize for, for accessories. I say like, okay, living room, there's a coffee table. I attach number, coffee table decor number. If there's a shelf, I normally do 150 or higher depending on the client per shelf. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you, if I don't get the budget I need to style your shelves, it's going to look like shit. So yeah, 150. So I basically say 150 and then I say you have 12 shelves. So 150 times 12. Then I do like a throw pillow. Now I actually do more custom pillows in phase one. So if it's a custom type of item, then I do it earlier. But if it's just me getting stuff randomly, then it's mm-hmm. uh, part of that budget. But anyways, I itemize it all. And then I just roll in um, the total plus taxes. And I say, your budget's 5000 And then sometimes clients will say, oh, like, which happened recently. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, where can we cut? But I make sure I cut it in a way where I still think I can deliver. Yeah. Like I'm so not then, do it I, you- and compromise the end result. Do you give them money back at the end if you don't spend it all? Like, are you over? Yeah. 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 I find it depends. I'm either pretty close or maybe something went unexpectedly where I'm like, you know what? I hadn't planned on buying XYZ, but I did. And I think it's worthwhile. So, Mm -hmm. but I do find I'm often refunding, like depending yeah. It's also like if a client really expresses like, okay, I'm approving this budget, but like I really would rather yeah, then you're gonna come under. I'm gonna do my best. But it's yeah. when you're trying to go shopping at a quick like it would be one thing if I was like, okay, that's my budget and I'm gonna take, you know, a month to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got the luxury of time, but all you're doing then is saying like, well, you're gonna a bargain more on my time because mm-hmm. I'm hundred like well, fifty now, an hour. And yeah. if you're just going to make me take longer, you might as well just make the, the thing higher. Pay more for the, the piece as opposed to paying more for my time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. But, but also, I, uh, that's another reason why I want to buy all that in at the beginning because then I can, like, because for me, I normally charge about, like, it's no, minimum 2500 uh, depending on like how many rooms it is, 2,500 to maybe 3,500 for phase three, which is me being there when all the furniture is delivered and styling and, and overseeing mm-hmm. our installation. And if I can roll that in earlier so that it feels like more evenly distributed over time, as opposed to like now all of a sudden you feel like you've spent so much money. Like I want to tell them that when they're like eager as opposed to when they feel yeah. like rain money at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then at what part in the process do you do art? Are you doing that like furniture? Okay. So I used to try to roll in that in at the end, but this is a common hot topic. I feel like I've talked to lots of designers <laughs> who are like, Sorry. art is really hard. Yeah. And so, okay. Now what I do is I roll it into my style session. So I do a kickoff with the client where I go to their home. I normally bring an assistant. We measure... And then I have, if I need, a, like, if I needed something to do with electric, like electrical, I might have people meet me there to identify certain things so that they can mm-hmm. measure and see. Like Kimberly Seldon's trade day, but 
like on a way lower level because I'm not renovating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I do what I call as a style session. So they, I have like a complete survey that's all dedicated to them liking and disliking pictures of like living rooms and I'll customize it. So if you're only doing a living room, then I'll only make it be about the living room. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have a section for art and I'm basically like throwing in lots of different, like, you know, edgy or uh, abstract or, you know, whatever, all the stuff. And then I get them to kind of identify that. And then I do my best to try to drill down, find out what they like, what they don't like, how passionate are they about loving their art? Like some people are like, you just find me stuff. And I have some clients where I presented at the presentation and they're like, great, which is the best that just happened recently. And then I have another, other clients where they just feel like they should connect more to the art. So it's a bit of a longer process. So in that situation, I've basically said, okay, we've approved all the furniture. Let's get going on that. Over the next few weeks, let's meet at an art, um, like an art uh, vendor's showroom. And maybe let's see what we got going on there and see if we can start to identify a little bit more like what speaks to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and that's more or less kind of how I do it. And we normally get to a point that works. And then, the last thing that will happen is like, if we just never do, sometimes the clients will just finally just throw their hands up and say like, can just, just do it. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is like, they're like, Oh, okay. We would have never picked that, but it does look so good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Art is hard. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard thing. Cause it's like the, I think the expectation of it is like so high, but like in some spaces, it's like the same kind of accent that like a rug has. Like it's yeah. sometimes it's like just about like the color and the shape of it yeah. in the or space. Like the scale but then there's like, yeah, but then there's so much expectation of like, yeah. It being, sometimes too, what I do is uh, depending on where their budget is and the style, if we're not getting anywhere, I will send them a link to like, okay, here's an, I do a lot of like affordable art where I'm just going on Etsy Printing yeah. a digital download, scaling it to size and, and getting it framed or getting a CB2 frame. But sometimes I'll just go, okay, I'm going to send them a link and maybe they can try to see if they can find pieces that speak to them. Mm-hmm. But it is hard. It is hard. It, it, it's like sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's really hard. And then do you ever do like, do you ever work with like art pieces they already have? Sometimes, but how do you like navigate yeah how do you navigate that in general like I I want everything new but like my sofa to stay or my this piece of art to stay like how are you how are you broaching those conversations yeah so I try to gauge it based on like how much the piece does or doesn't work mm-hmm. you like and it's normally like ideally I'm working with clients it doesn't always happen but ideally I'm working with clients that are like looking for a specific aesthetic that I feel like is in my wheelhouse Okay, she's got her dog with her, and he's very cute. He, <laughs> this is Peggy. Peggy, oh my goodness, Peggy, <laughs> so cute. What kind of dog is that? She's a rescue. She's like a mix of everything, but cute, funny. Um, what was the question um, about? Like keeping existing pieces. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, it's hard because sometimes clients like art specifically they have like really hideous pieces of art. Yeah. Like find out like this has some sort of sentimental value. 
So mm-hmm. often, and I did it recently, I will suggest reframing it, which I think can help the piece. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will just say, you know what, I got it's a great piece, but it's just not going to work because it's going to feel completely out of place. And I try to convince them out of that. Um, when it comes to furniture, like so oftentimes it's things like, I, I basically try to re-identify like, okay, I know you want to keep the sofa or that piano in here, which really doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Let's reevaluate. Like, what do you, do you care? Is it more important that the piano is in this room or is it more important that you have a space that you love and that is functional and feels like pulled together? And you just kind of go back like early on identifying like what their goals are and what matters to them about their space and reminding them of that. So Mm -hmm. like they, they show you another thing they do is they'll email you. Oh, I saw this lamp. I really like it or a light fixture and it's terrible. And it's like, okay, great. Thanks. Thank you so much. I'm going to keep it. Um, and then when it comes time for presentation, it's like, you know what? I consider the lamp, but given the inspiration photos you sent me and this and that, like, it's always about going back to, okay, this was the style you said you wanted. And that unfortunately doesn't work because X, Y, Z. Right. And then just saying like, of course, like if that's what, if you love it and it's like, it's absolute must have, then we'll make it work. But I, I strongly think it yeah. does, it's not like work. selling them on taste. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Cause some people like might have the money, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they like have good. Yeah. Time. Um, and I think part of like the, I know like in the e-designs I've been doing, I've been like crossing is that like people will see one piece on its own and have an opinion of it. And oh my God. Of, like, putting yes. it all together. And that's, oh my God, I've said that so many times. You're, it's so true. It's like, and that's another thing I like, you have to remind people too is like, okay, I know you're like really looking at this rug right now, but it's not just about the rug. Yeah. It's, it's like, I have picked this rug because the scale is a specific size, which works with the drapery fabric. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah, true. Yeah. It's like really having to remind them that I don't want you to fixate too much on the rug because the rug is not the showstopper in the room. It's going to complement everything. That is a, and I find that happens with art too. And, um, absolutely clients do that. And it's about reminding them of like, you know, it's not just about the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing too is like, um, I, I have noticed that the higher people's budgets are and the more they're spending their, the higher they pay for you, the more like I've caught myself doing it a couple of times now I've suggested, you know, like a deep, rich color in the client's bedroom. And Mm -hmm. then, and then I say like the whole room and they're like, Oh, like not just an accent wall. Like, no, no, no. Like we're going to go all in. We're doing it. Yeah. Like scared. But I, but the higher they pay you, like they're scared, but they're like, they trust you. Because mm-hmm. the higher someone's paying you, then they value what you're bringing. As right. To, and, and, oh, my God, it, it's amazing. And it's funny, too, because every now and then a client will say something that will make me doubt myself. And this is, like, I've caught myself. Yeah. Like, I was, like, sometimes I get scared. Like, okay, like, I hope this isn't a mistake, this wall color I picked. Because, like, like, we're going to make mistakes sometimes because it's, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, but I'm glad. Like, the last two times we did it, I, I warned them, too. Another thing is, like, okay. You're going to see new things come into your house, whether it be this crazy wall color because you went from a really light wall to this crazy rich color. And now you're in the middle of like just new wall color and nothing else is there. You're, you might actually walk in and go like, what have I done? 
Yeah. So try to manage those expectations too. Like you're getting a new couch and you've been used to this couch that was oversized. You're probably gonna think it's too small. Mm-hmm. Just, you need to just kind of like live with it for a bit, give yourself mm-hmm. the time and wait, just trust the process. So I try to warn people of that too. Cause even myself in my own home, I've done that where I'm like, mm-hmm. like this feels 